Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Pod Strickland. I'm your host, Shwini Poo, and this is episode 192. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Prez, that's at Presidente on Twitter. Prez, how are you doing? I'm good. I heard are there you, was some playoffs on. I heard are, there was some playoffs on. Are you good? Because I think you're the only basketball fan that has not watched any of the playoffs so far. I've watched some playoffs, just not much. Yeah, we need to talk about this. You need to stop fucking watching Alondis Williams film uh, during like an, a like a high stakes playoff game. All right, you need to. Stop I, I've moved. I haven't watched Alondis Williams film in a long time, which I'm not happy about, mind you. Not happy at all. Someone's got to do it. Someone's got to watch all these motherfuckers and and put out the hashtag content. Nobody, nobody needs to do that. Uh, but we are joined by, uh, I think, the only friend of the pod who identifies as a Heat fan. You know, his name is Juan Carlos. You can find him on Twitter, at Kelly Olinick Burner. Juan, how are you doing? Just, just uh, Kelly O. Burner, by the way. I, I Kelly O. Burner. Yeah. Um, and, no, actually, I'm, I'm glad that Prez is on the pod. One reason is I, I just want to hear more about his sons. I always want to hear about his sons. I mean, how many... <laughs> How much time we got? <laughs> well, like I've said before, you know, Joseph Smith of NBA draft coverage. I'm got pre- so many approaching sons. like Genghis Khan levels. Of- <laughs> <laughs> You're start a civilization. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's it's a pod Strickland pod. So you have about, what, it's two, true. two and a half hours we got here? So, you know, that's good. Uh, all right. But before we get started, I do have to announce that Strickland has a Patreon. You can subscribe to it. There's a number of different tiers. There's a $6 tier that gets you access to this pod every Friday, Pod Strickland, that I do with Prez. You also get access to the mailbag that I do every other week with Jeremy and Drew. Furthermore, more importantly even, you get access to the Strickland Discord, where we talk about the Knicks. We talk about fucking running backs and their value in the NFL. We talk about many, many things in there. You get all that for $6. There's a $9 tier that gets you access to Strick and Roll, my solo pod, where I yell about the Knicks even more. Uh, you also get access to, and much more importantly, weekly articles by the wonderful Jack Huntley and Matthew Miranda, two of the best in the business of basketball writing out there. There are further tiers. There's a $50 tier, $30 tier, $50 tier, and a $100 tier. Those come with additional benefits like live watch parties, listening in on pod recordings, merchandise discounts, and even potentially co-hosting a podcast yourself alongside us. Whether you choose to subscribe or not, your support is appreciated. None of this would be possible without you. So without further ado, uh, I have no idea what the fuck we're going to talk about. This is, which has been like the running theme for the last few pods. But I guess, you know, we can talk about... I mean, Prez isn't aware of this, but there is playoff basketball going on right now. I've heard rumors. Yes, rumblings. Rumblings of playoff basketball. Um, actually, you know what? No, we're going to start off... We're going to start off... I'm going to get some shots off here. We're going to get. We're going to start off with Mark fucking Stein. Let's who, go. Has no fucking life, okay? This guy writes a national fucking newsletter for the New York Times or some bullshit. What? Who cares? 
fucking he's a loser from fucking Dallas. All right, this guy has been grinding grinding an axe. Right? He's got an axe to grind, right? Against the Knicks front office. Oh, Leon Rose hasn't talked to us. Leon Rose hasn't answered fucking questions. Like, fucking, you're not Woodward and Bernstein, man. Like, you're fucking Mark Stein, who's a little shit from Dallas, who writes, who does nothing, really. Like, you do nothing of value. You provide zero value to your content. Um, but I just find it very funny that this guy, who's like this super connected Dallas Mavs insider has all this fucking smoke for the Knicks because, you know, Leon Rose won't have a press conference where him and Mark Berman can ask him scintillating questions like, what are your thoughts about Julius Randle's season? Um, you know, I don't know how, how Leon would answer that. I imagine that he would say a whole bunch of fucking nothing. Um, but I find it funny because, look, if you write about basketball, like you can write about basketball without talking to front office execs. You don't need quotes to write about basketball. You don't need it at all. Uh, and I also find it fucking hilarious because this guy is fucking, you know, the Mavericks insiding, insider. Let's talk a little bit about the Mavericks. Let's talk about all the fucking bullshit going on there, right? Let's talk about all the shit that Mark Cuban's been caught up in. But we can talk about so many fucking things, but we never talk about that. No, no, no. We got to talk about hard-hitting stuff like... Leon Rose not answering questions from Stefan Bundy, this fucking bald-headed idiot that writes for the New York Daily News. All right? Like, nobody cares. I, I don't think that you're going to find any value from these questions. I also don't think that there's much to know. Like, what what is, what is he going to answer? I don't know. Who cares? That's a better question. Are there Knicks fans that care? Maybe there are. You know, Alan Seppenwolves in the world who are just very, very intelligent and love to use word salad nonsense when they talk about first-round draft picks on Twitter uh, because, God forbid, the Knicks traded a first-round draft pick for Cam Reddish. Objectively, the worst thing that could have ever been done. And Leon Rose must answer for these crimes. Um, I, I don't know. I, I really don't know. I, I find this entire fucking line is, you know, this discussion stupid. I don't care. I've never cared about any front office exec talking to the media. This is not limited to Leon Rose or the Knicks. Not even just front office execs. I don't care. I didn't care when fucking Kyrie Irving decided he was not going to talk to the press. It didn't matter to me. I didn't give a shit. And I hate Kyrie Irving. And I hate the Nets. I didn't care. I thought it was stupid. And I thought I made fun of fucking media people for giving them shit for it. I just do not give a shit. Nothing is learned from these press conferences. Um... It's not not to equate the two, but uh, you know, like, was there value in giving Donald Trump a bunch of fucking attention when he was, you know, running for president? I don't know. I don't think so. Gave him a lot of free press. Not sure what the fuck was gained from it. Positively, uh, no, I don't think that this is the same level of destructiveness potentially. Um, but the point being is, I don't think we need to hear answers from these fucking people. Like, nothing. None of this shit matters. If you can't formulate thoughts about a fucking basketball team or players or a coach or any of these fucking things in the year 2022 without the words of a front office executive, when you have basketball fucking reference for free, when you have NBA.com slash stats for free, when you have unpredictable.com slash stats for free, when you have all these fucking free sites that you can find reams and reams of data and video clips and all this shit, if you need 
Leon Rose to have a fucking press conference so you can ask him some bullshit questions like, how is your relationship with Tom Thibodeau? What's Tom Thibodeau's job security going to look like? When you know he's not going to answer those questions seriously, I don't know what to tell you. All I can tell you is that you're a fucking loser, and nobody likes you, you have no friends, and you look like Humpty Dumpty. You heard the man. <clears throat> Straight, raw, and uncut. I, I, I'm happy you mentioned the thing about the stats and all of that, because what has frustrated me the most is like, all right, if if you really insist on holding a grudge from like back when the Knicks media access shenanigans began and blah blah blah, like just fine, whatever. You're some fucking staunch defender of freedom of the press, but like prove yourself. Like is your only utility reporting on empty clichés and quotes or can you produce other useful content that is insightful to Nick fans and you know it's I don't know what the beat situation is like on for other teams I'm assuming there's less beat writers most of the time outside of the big market teams but it's always been fucking sad to me just how I actually I'm I'm curious when Carlos like what it's like for uh Miami Heat journalism I guess you could call it and because with the Knicks there's always been a lot of beat writers, and most of them don't really provide that much insight. Um, the athletic guys, since the athletics started, have done a pretty good job of actually providing insightful content. Um, Chris Herring, when he was a Wall Street Journal uh, beat writer for the Knicks, was probably the gold standard and the best I've ever seen in terms of balancing reporting and getting quotes and just letting the players' opinions and coaches' opinions do the talking and balancing that with, like, here's some statistical analysis or some X's and O's analysis or some video. And it's no accident. He is, his career has fucking skyrocketed through multiple jobs and now a best-selling top 10 New York Times awesomeness book about the Knicks. Um, but it, it's always and, really and, sad. And, and Knicks fans fucking like him. Knicks fans still like him. Knicks fans fucking Knicks fans day worship this guy. Beyond and, like, forget, forget just like him. Like, he's an extremely, Chris is extremely likable and charismatic, and I'm not just saying that because he's been on the pod, but he's also, like, he's appreciated because he's extremely good at his job. You could be a fucking dick, and it's about Leon Rose not, you know, giving access and be a shit on Twitter. But if you, if you produce, like, good articles where I'm like, wow, I learned something reading that. Yeah. That would be great. I would take that. Right. <laughs> and, and also, I want to just mention this real quick because you talked about Chris Herring. This is what Chris Herring used to do, right? Yeah, he did talk, like, he did get access to coaches and stuff like that. And yes, at that time, with the front office, I think his years were around, I think it was like mostly before Phil. So Phil talked a little bit his first year, but before that, it was. There was Steve Mills, and then there was like this weird thing with Grunwald, and like Grunwald didn't talk ever really. Mills didn't talk for that entire year, basically. Um, but the point being is, he uses access to the coach at that time, who was Mike Woodson or Derek Fisher later or whatever. He uses access to use his stats-based kind of hypotheses that he'd use to write articles to ask the meaningful questions that might give you answers of some worth, and that is like why I don't give a fuck, because here's here's what I would love, right? I might care 
that Leon Rose doesn't talk to them, if they would ask him questions like, hey, look, like um, these are lineups that played really well this year. We know that you've invested a ton into all these statistical nerd fucking losers that sit on your bench and shit. Uh, like, can you explain like what what are we what are we missing here? What did we not see? Or even more, or even more, like there's so many. Even that's a completely reasonable softball question, and even there's even more easy questions than that that I would very much appreciate. Like, hey, the you guys have the Knicks have hired a bunch of analytics staffers. How have they impacted what the team does on the court? Yeah. Like yeah. even if that's like sure he could, there's a high probability of a cliche answer there like literally just like the lowest bar to clear. <laughs> Can I ask like do you guys as fans like how much weight do you give to like the exercise of an exit interview? Because I find that in most cases they're kind of useless. I mean you don't really like yeah there aren't that many hard hitting questions asked. You know, like mm-hmm. most of the responses I saw to uh, questions about whether or not Tibbs regretted uh, not playing the young guys off the bench as much as he did were kind of like boilerplate You know, like there wasn't a lot of closure there, it seemed, or like regret even uh, from Tibbs. So like, yeah, I don't know, you know, like looking at just how often softballs are thrown in, the, in these exit interview questions and when softballs aren't thrown, how little information you kind of get. And and I guess that this is kind of the nature of where one's at, at at this point in the season, right? There's still a lot of time before the draft, before free agency, before the long off season and so on and so forth. So like there aren't going to be answers off the bat. But yeah, I guess I was just wondering like how, so, how much weight do you guys give to like, I, I you know, I want to see those exit interview um transcripts like like i want to see them nail tips i want to see them nail leon rose uh etc well so here's my thing is like they won't nail these guys right like that's just not what happens in those interviews but here is what i find interesting so like the entire point of these exit interviews very often is or not what what should be the point is to or to any any access you get to a coach, a front office executive, whatever, it should be to get information that you can't get anywhere else, or to understand something that you cannot understand from any other, like from their perspective, right? So I remember when Phil Jackson did his exit interview one year uh, at the end of his second year in charge, and this was sorry his third year. And this was after the year where they had, you know, traded for Rose and signed Noah and all these guys. And they asked him some questions about Carmelo Anthony and what his future was. And he was very candid. He was like, look, like, it hasn't really worked here with Melo. Uh, He's getting older. He should probably look to move on uh, at this point in his career. And that is probably, that's way too candid for a front office executive to say at, at, at an exit interview, right? But like, that was actually an interview where we learned plenty of things about the team. And we learned he admitted to conversations he had with Car- with Kristaps. He said he talked about how he had told Kristaps at one point that it was important for him to have games where he didn't shoot well from three because it made him figure out how to have an impact in scoring inside the arc, you know, 
from two, whether it be in the mid post, mid range, at the rim, whatever it was. That I thought that was a really interesting answer. And so, like, you got all of this information from this exit interview he did, and yet the only thing they talked about, the only thing that was discussed, was oh my god, he threw Carmelo Anthony under the bus. This is the worst thing ever. Woe is me. Like, and at that point, and I'm not saying they're even necessarily wrong to focus on that because I understand like that shit's gonna sell. But like, why would? What is the value in talking to you? There is no value for a front office executive, in my opinion, to talk to the media at all. Like, there is really no value. Like, I've 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 seen quotes from all these fucking end of year press conferences, right? All of them are basically the same thing. Yeah, we love our guys. This guy's great. You know, we're not. Com- we haven't decided anything. We're gonna look at options. Blah 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 blah. You don't learn anything. You never learn shit. They don't have anything to write. That's why they they like articles are based off of historically. People like to hear. If you think about like the '90s, and I'm sure even more so in the '80s and the '70s, like. There's no social media, right? There's like three newspapers and a co- and three big ones and a bunch of local ones or whatever. And guys have relationships with these execs or whatever. And nobody's out here fucking deep dive blogging with video analysis because there are no computers. So unless you're going to publish some type of like fucking five-star basketball, X's and O's, you know, whatever thing, like, in deep for coaches clinic type shit, you're gonna base your reporting around whatever they say in a press conference, after the game, etc. And that's often cliches when you're talking about the execs. When you're talking about the players, yeah, you can get them to comment on specific things that happened off the court, and you might get old execs to comment or on this or that like you know you think about um what was the jordan documentary like they had some opportunity yeah they had some opportunity to talk to the bulls front office or whatever um and they asked the harder questions but now i think the media is just so used to just just relying on those cliches and knowing that like all this other shit is out there sports center has been out there for 30 fucking years blogs are there twitter's there Sports Illustrated is there. All this shit is out there. Why am I going to bother writing something that reco- that you know that requires somebody to give a shit about the actual happenings of the court? I don't have to. I'm just going to rely on the fucking quotes that have been the basis of my career because Mark Stein's been doing this for a while, and that's it. Because I'm not trying to be like those blog boys. I'm not a fucking nerd. I'm not trying to write about numbers, whatever, and you take away that only thing that they have and it's a much bigger deal now that everybody has other shit to turn to. They can turn to Sports Center, they can turn to Twitter, they can turn to Wall Street Journal, 538, Sports Illustrated, SB Nation, all that shit. Motherfuckers have credentials even if they don't get paid for it. Well, and yeah. And and like I would take that a step further though. I mean, I mm-hmm. think it's not just about the Sports Centers and the SB Nations and you know whatnot because you know, while Stein is trying to kind of wring as much content as he get as you know as he can get out of lines he gets from you know executives or coaches or insiders or whatever, there there are people. I mean, I guess 
even more underground in some way or like yeah, just just following the game even more closely than the sports centers and the ESPNs and the SB nations and stuff like that there is content out there for people who I mean as you know press covering the draft there is content for people who want to just nerd out about what happens on the court and what I find ironic about chasing quotes and chasing sensational storylines like this is that literally like the game gives you so much content to unpack that I just wish some of these you know national writers would do that instead and I wish also some of the national outlets would do that instead too I know like so Prez you asked earlier like from the heat fan perspective it's it's kind of weird you know the way the national discourse shakes out because uh, the Heat don't really have beat writers dedicated to them from any, you know, nationwide outlet. Like, there's no ESPN beat writer. There's no athletic beat writer um, covering the Heat. Um, it's it's mostly local people, but the local people are really good. And, I mean, the way in which they're good is that instead of doing the Stein thing that you guys are kind of bemoaning, they do spend, like, Strickland-length uh, podcasts you know, discussing what adjustments is Spo going to make between games one and two, right? Like, what was going wrong on the court and why? Or in between series, like, what would need to change schematically, you know, from from one series to the next and so on and so forth. And that that personally, I mean, I know that's what, that's what speaks to you guys too. And, I mean, the Strickland does go back and look at the film on, say, like, IQ, and point out, hey, this is what went really well with his season that might not have been covered or that might have been overlooked by the journalists looking for storylines. Same with someone like Obi or with like Deuce even. I know you guys would definitely dive into Deuce's film and there's going to be a great off-season profile on what he did well if there isn't one already. Uh, maybe Stacy will write that. But um, yeah, I just... I guess part of what frustrates me, this is just my way of saying that part of what frustrates me about national coverage, not just of the heat, but of the sport in general, is that there's so much going on on the court. There's just so much content on the court. And it feels like what they give you instead most of the time, uh, these, these, these big content outlets, um, and I'll be a little bit more ruthless than Prez even and extend it to the SB Nations and the sports centers the ESPNs, Bleacher Reports, whatever, they prefer, like, the Kyrie Irving drama, the Ben Simmons drama, um, when I think f fans would be better served if, like, hey, what if we, like, try to unpack, like, what the Timberwolves are doing well in the court, you know? Or, like, um, I mean, maybe that's not a great example because they do have some national beat writers dedicated to them. But, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, instead of talking about drama, like, let's talk about basketball, you know? Um, and, you know, personally, maybe we'll get into this later, but I think that this tendency is what fuels kind of a massive misunderstanding about what the Heat are as a team, uh, because people try to kind of fit them into so many readily available paradigms that don't really suit them. And when the Heat don't fit into that, it's like, oh, they must not be good. Um, the funniest thing about the so, Heat and, the, and, and that weird coverage, I agree with everything you said. The funniest thing from an outsider perspective to me about the heat is like there there's kind of three steps and the the second step is just like a several question marks the first step is Miami Heat play hard and have grit and are in shape and then 
question mark? And then Spolstra is a genius and then equals profit. Like nobody explores like the in between that. Like, okay, what do the Heat actually do? How do they actually play? Everybody in ESPN is just like, no, they play hard, they execute, and some stuff with Jimmy Butler and Bam and Kyle, Duncan shoots, and Eric Spolstra is a chess master and nobody right. goes a step further than that except for like Zach Lowe and some other people in the, the, sometimes, net, the yeah, national yeah. groups sometimes. Yeah. And it's like on some level, like I, because the Knicks aren't good, I don't really even care what the national media say, but if no. they were good, like the heat, no, like, fuck that. Fuck no, that. no, no, I, no, I agree. I, 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 I know you care. I know you care. I'll, I'll tell you why I care. I'll tell you exactly why I care. Same, same <laughs> you, by the way. You know, I care in principle yeah. about like the widespread phenomenon of not talking about basketball when covering the NBA. That's so, like, true. Because that's of true. that principle, I honestly, and that's why I like your guys' content and why I like similar platforms because like you guys actually talk about basketball. Like, um, but yeah. Sorry, Shwen, I cut you off. But. No, no, look, all, all I was going to say is, like, one of, the, one of my biggest pet peeves with how the Knicks are covered is, like, they had, okay, they had a disappointing year, right? So now everything sucks, right? And I, what really bothers me about this is, like, this shit actually does affect player value. Like, this shit affects actual basketball. How teams are covered, how players are covered, affects the shit that matters. Like, do you remember when the Lakers, before they traded for Anthony Davis, right? Like, they won 35 games that that year before LeBron signed there. And, like, people were, oh, my God, this young talent, it's amazing, look at all this shit. Do you think LeBron would, like, do you think that shit doesn't affect player value and trade value? Do you think LeBron signing there if they don't have that year and he doesn't think that he can trade all these motherfuckers for Anthony Davis? Like, this shit does matter. Like, this fucking stuff with Boston, when they went, like, how many, we had to hear about Scary Terry and all these fucking guys for years, right? And, like, sure, Tatum and Brown are actually really good, but, like, Marcus Smart won fucking Defensive Player of the Year. Are you shitting me? Marcus Smart won Defensive Player of the Year? They're locking these guys up better without this motherfucker. Like, you know, like, uh, this shit matters. I mean, even, even as far as voting goes, it matters, right? Like, you've got, like... And that's th- money. Yeah, it affects money. Like, Jason Tatum is making less money this year because he didn't make All NBA last year, right? And I'm not—I don't even—I can't even remember last year well enough to say I have a strong opinion about whether he should have made it or not. But my point is, like, how this shit is covered affects how motherfuckers vote on this shit, and that affects money, and that affects trade value, that affects how guys are perceived, that affects all of this shit. So when you are so focused on bullshit, like. Leon Rose doesn't talk to the media. And don't don't try to tell me that if Leon Rose talked to the media, they'd all of a sudden be treated like everything would be great. No, they wouldn't. No, it wouldn't. Like, I, we know it wouldn't because Phil Jackson talked to the media his entire first year that he was on, in charge. And all they did was say every time he said something, it was like, oh, my God. He's like, wow. They asked him for the year, like, what would be a good year? He was like, oh, you know, if we make the playoffs, it would be a good year. And that somehow became, like, this entire stick to beat him with the entire season of, like, he guaranteed the playoffs. And, you know, like... Whatever. Do I think that they he thought that they would be the worst team in the NBA that year? No, I don't think he did. But like to like this is the point. It's like when you are when you have that type of 
negative coverage, then I'm sorry. I just don't really care if they talk to you or not. And this this isn't just about Phil. This goes back like years and years and years with the Knicks. And yes, the Knicks have sucked for a long time. There's a difference between negative coverage that's fair, that is deserved, that's critical of the team, of the coaching, of the players, of the organization, of Dolan, whatever, versus like just shitty reporting, just absolute bottom of the barrel. Look at how the Mets were covered for years. I don't know about that. I don't know about baseball like that. It was it was coverage of a bad team that was much more fair. Uh, you know, with a crazy like bad team Ponzi schemes with the owner, like yeah. lots of shit was going on. And yeah, sometimes people had it out for the Mets, but it was nowhere fucking near as much as the the Knicks. And the reason is because nobody says Mets for clicks. The Mets get a lot of jaws and have a lot of fans. Because they're in New York, the Yankees get more because they're the Yankees, and that's what it is. Because they're the best team in baseball, right? Because they're the best. I I would be remiss if I didn't mention that, Schwinn. <laughs> Funny you brought that up. But yeah, so like it, it's really not. You can look within your own city and see that shit. And I, I'm I'm now I'm actually y'all know I don't watch fucking football, but I'm curious how it is with oh the, Jets. The, the jet the Jets are covered like a lot like the Knicks. It's like oh really? Insane. Yeah, it's like. Super negative. Although, like this current regime seems to be getting a pretty good. Um, they they seem to be getting pretty good coverage. Good which they Yeah, they they've done a good job. But like, they've got yeah. But like the Jets in general, it's like very hysterical. Um, and, and one thing I'll add that you actually um just I'll add on that on that point about like they're playing good and the coverage is good. You can still play good and the coverage sucks. Like like you were talking Juan Carlos about the Heat, right? Like we've seen that shit. All, like Schwinn, Schwinn really does like good analytical pieces, even about players and teams that are on his very long, always growing hater agenda. <laughs> like, he just won't tweet about it. He'll just DM you and be like, oh, this, you know, this article about Jason Tatum's health defense is solid or whatever. But if someone from The Athletic publishes the 84th heat fluff piece about, you know, Kyle Lowry's grit in his toothpaste that tra- transfers to his grit in his game or whatever. He's just like, look at this bullshit that they're doing again. No, but the thing is that, like, I get pissed about that because I would much rather see a piece about, like, oh, why why is yeah. it that Kyle and Bam, you know, pick and rolls, average the most points per possession, but, like, the Heat aren't going to it as often as they should in the clutch, you know? Like, explain is it because that to me. Doesn't know what he's, it's probably because Spolster doesn't know what he's Right, doing. it's probably because top 15 of all-time NBA coach... I mean, Eric Spolstra doesn't know what he's doing. They should probably trade Eric Spolstra for Tom Thibodeau, a true gritty coach. No, they yeah, should I mean, trade him for Brad Stevens. Get that man out of the blue no, You know, look, look the, the Tibbs thing is the perfect example of this, right? Because yeah. the entire year, we had to hear about how like he couldn't do any better. Knicks fans were wrong for being critical of him and all this shit. And it's like, look, like, I can understand how one would would determine that Tom Thibodeau has not done a job worthy of being fired. What I really got pissed off about, though, is this endless idea that you couldn't even, there's nothing to question. That you couldn't question anything about his coaching. There was nothing about his decision making that was good. Like, for example, even, even somebody like Hollinger, who sucks, but is, like, analytically inclined, right? This is an analytically inclined dude. That's what we've been told. The NBA playoffs means next-level basketball. 
Get in on the first round action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets instantly. You win no matter what. All DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also bet on NBA hoops with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. Plus, each day of the first round, get a risk-free bet up to $10 if your same-game parlay doesn't hit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN, bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game during the first round of playoffs, and get $150 in free bets instantly. That's promo code TBPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Minimum age and eligibility, eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. John Hollinger sucks so bad to me because um, I just wanted to bring this up because Tyler Hero was awarded Sixth Man of the Year today. He's one of the only people who had Kevin Love first on his ballot and tried to defend it by calling Hero a chucker, a guy who has the highest usage on on his team and is still shooting league average true shooting percentage. Called him a chucker and was like, no, Kevin Love is my sixth man of the year because his per 75 possession rebounding numbers are just through the roof. So shout out to John Hollinger for just being terrible and a slave to analytics and exemplifying everything that's bad about going too hard towards analytics. But, but, but here's the thing. No, no, here's the thing. Here's the thing. ISO, ISO, ISO. I hate Tyler Hero. <laughs> no, yeah, I do hate Tyler Hero, but that's that's not for today. Uh, <laughs> you fucking change your accent, ass motherfucker. <laughs> no, but but who changes uh, their accent more, him or Carl Anthony Towns? <laughs> for sure. Uh, no, like like Hollinger had an entire thing where he wrote about. Um, he had this whole thing about like the next season. This was probably around. I don't know, February, maybe, oh, no. maybe March or something. And he was talking about like, oh my God, why are fans, he, you know, I understand like why fans are maybe pissed, but like, there's just nothing really that he could do that's better. And he was like, one of the things he said uh, was very specifically, one of the things he said very specifically was, you know, it's not going to make a big difference if you flip Kemba Walker's minutes for Emmanuel Quickly's minutes. And like, what drives me nuts about that is you could argue with me, and I would agree with this probably, that the impact would not be as drastic as you would think if you just like slot quickly into all the starting minutes and that was it. Like I can understand that because you're playing against starters. That's a totally different dynamic. Randall's playing like a gigantic asshole. So he naturally brings everybody else down with him. There's all kinds of things I can understand about that. But if you as a stats person, as an analytics person, as a person who you know purports to understand the value of impact metrics and all these fucking things, if if you say that, you're completely full of shit. And that is the shit that drives me nuts. Because I don't know another team that... Like, I really don't know another team that gets covered this way. I really do not. Like, if Emmanuel quickly was on the fucking Lakers this year, they'd probably be talking about how he's like the one shining beacon of hope of the team. Right? Endlessly praising him. Oh my god, he came through this tough season and finished so strong. And it's like, the coverage we get of the Knicks young guys, especially, like, the two in particular, Quickly and Obi for this discussion purposes, because we were told for an entire year, 
these guys I can make a big difference, won't make a big difference. They don't really deserve more minutes. I mean, there was some really shitty derisive framing of Obi Toppin as a guy. They basically described him as kind of like a carnival act. He was literally described as a guy who just comes in and does highlight dunks. And that's it. Like he doesn't makes a bunch of mistakes, but it does cool dunks. And that's why people, you know, cheer for him. And even Tibbs at one point made a very shitty comment. I thought of calling him effectively the backup quarterback who everybody loves when they play, but then when they, or when they don't play, but then when they play, we see why they don't kind of thing. Um, we were told for an entire fucking year, these guys wouldn't make a difference. And now, and then even when, even when they finally started getting more minutes after all-star break, and it was obvious the team improved as a result of it, there are all these stupid fucking qualifiers of why this doesn't count. Oh, well, other teams weren't trying. Oh, the Knicks didn't have any pressure. Well, oh, Tom Thibodeau timed it perfectly, so they were finally ready to, like, play at the highest impact minutes possible. Like, give me a fucking break. Give me a break, because the impact... Metrics were there all year, even when quickly was shooting like shit, even when quickly had struggle or Obi Toppin had struggles, whatever. Basically- Literally, it there was that's what happens when you don't make the simplest inquiries. Like, okay, this team is even if you don't look at the numbers, you know everybody fucking knows in the middle of the season that the bench was taking back the lead after the starters lost it. And there was never any serious examination or inquiry of why among these people, other than just starters are bad. Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you it's mean cellar. the mini fridge. Yeah, it's a mini yeah, fridge. It's a mini yeah. fridge. New episodes of Fly on the Wallen drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallen wherever you get your podcasts.